You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. Well, it's good to have you guys all here today. I appreciate it. We're going to be in the book of Exodus today, Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. Looking at the Passover, and we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. We're going to be preaching. We're going to be teaching rather than preaching uh, this evening. A little bit more uh, teaching involved. So I like to, um, when I'm not scheduled to preach, I like to do uh, more of a Bible study than a, an actual preaching message. So we're going to be um, looking at the shedding of blood in Exodus chapter number 12 and the Passover. But we're going to be looking at it in a different way than maybe you've uh, seen it before. We're not going to be looking at the story per se and how we can apply that to our lives. But we're going to be looking at it in the eyes of Jesus Christ and how this is actually a perfect picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. Because in the Old Testament, those stories point to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. That's why the Old Testament was written. And that's what we're going to be looking at here today, the Passover lamb and how it points to Jesus Christ. Because every book in the Bible points to Jesus Christ, Old Testament and New Testament. There's typology, there's pictures of salvation and pictures of, of Christ in some way, shape, or form in just about every story that you read in the Bible because Christ is the central person in the Bible. Calvary is the central place in the Bible. Everything that happened in the Old Testament in some way points forward to Christ and the cross. Everything that happens in the New Testament after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ points us back to Christ and his cross. And it's such a beautiful thing to think about when you really start to study the Old Testament. A lot of times it's hard for us to read the Old Testament. It can get boring when you go through uh, generation after generation and these long stories. It can be kind of hard for us to connect with it and get excited. But once you look at it through the eyes of Jesus Christ, it starts to become real to you and starts to get amazing. Because from Genesis to Revelation, we see the scarlet thread that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's what we're going to be looking at here today. We're not going to get really into the story, but just look at the picture involved there. Exodus chapter 12, we'll read from verse 1 down to 13. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, And the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his, his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Now your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. He shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And he shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, 
And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for uh, just your word, Lord, the word of God, and it becoming uh, real to us. Thank you for it being um, ever alive today. Thank you for speaking through me, through the word of God, and just all the blessings that we've seen in this church, Lord. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you um, for still having the power and still saving souls today, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you take away every ounce of selfishness in me whatsoever today, Lord. All, all of my sin, all of my um, old nature, Lord, take that away and just help me preach the message and teach the message that you would have me to preach today, Lord. Open up the hearts for the people in the congregation and just help us move, um, help you move in a wide, mighty way, Lord, and uh, just uh, just uh, fill us with your spirit, Lord. We love you so much. We praise your name. We thank you, and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so what we just read is the story of the Passover, the Passover lamb. And We'll just briefly look at the story real quick. You know the story, most of you, how the Israelites were under bondage, were slaves in Egypt. And, um, you know, Moses, uh, God goes to Moses and says, You're gonna, they're gonna, we're going to let the people go. And Moses goes, talks to Pharaoh, tries to let the people go. And Pharaoh says yes and backs off, says yes, and then backs away from his plan and goes back on his word. And you see so many different plagues. And then finally, the last plague, the last thing here to deliver them from Egypt was the passing of the firstborn, of every beast and every child and in every family. And this was the, the climactic moment in the story when um, they had to sacrifice the lamb and put the blood on the door. And if the blood was on the door when he passed over, the people in that home would be saved. The firstborn would not die. And that's the idea of the story there. And we can read this story and think, man, this is gruesome. This is terrible. God really commanded this in the Old Testament? That's a scary thing. That's, that's awful. But when you look at it through the eyes of the Lord, and you look at it through the eyes of Jesus Christ, and you look at it knowing that this points to Jesus Christ and salvation, Jesus Christ and the cross, it becomes very real to you and very exciting. Because this story is a perfect picture of Jesus Christ and the cross. The whole story in the Passover, the Passover lamb, what is it? It's them sacrificing the lamb and putting the blood on the door. Jesus Christ is called our Passover lamb. Jesus Christ is called the lamb of God. In John chapter 1 verse 29, but the Bible says, Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So right there in Exodus chapter 12, they're supposed to sacrifice the lambs. They're supposed to sacrifice the lamb. And put the blood on the door. And we can look in the New Testament and say, man, Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God. John the Baptist is saying, behold the Lamb of God. This is Jesus Christ, the person that will save you. The person that will keep you. The person that will deliver you from the bondage of sin. We can look at the story in Exodus. Look at the story in the New Testament. And it comes together. The Lamb of God. That's what Jesus Christ is. And now the coolest part about that is no one is ever called the Lamb of God in the Bible except for Jesus Christ. Not one person. God never had in mind any lamb except the one lamb in Jesus Christ. So in Exodus, he had that one lamb in mind, and that was Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Lamb of God. Think about this now. In spite of the slaying of thousands of lambs, you never read of Passover lambs. You hear the story of the Passover, you never hear them say the Passover lambs, right? It is always the Passover lamb. 
because it points to Jesus Christ. And then when God gave the commandment for them to kill the lambs, he does not say kill them, but he says kill it. Because he had one lamb in mind that entire time, and that's the lamb of God that can take away the sins of the world. It's a perfect picture of Jesus Christ there. The story in the Old Testament, we can look at it in the eyes of the New Testament and put it all together, and we can see a perfect picture of salvation. So notice in this story, we see the lamb. That's the main story, the main um, character in this. Look at it, and we're going to break it down and look how the lamb points to Jesus Christ. And the truth of God's word, how it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Notice, number one, the selection of the lamb. In verses 3 and 5 of Exodus chapter 12, the Bible says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls, Every man, according to his eating, shall make your counts for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You read those verses there and you soon notice that the lamb is described in three different ways. In verse 3, it's a lamb. In verse 4, it's the lamb. And in verse 5, it's your lamb. Now, why is that? It's because it's a process. And picking the lamb and selecting the lamb, the Israelites had a process. And preaching a message regarding the Passover, Dr. Dean Hamby gave three steps the Israelites had to make before they chose their lamb. Number one, realization. Number two, examination. And number three, identification. Realization, examination, and identification. They had to realize something. Realization. They had to realize that they needed a perfect lamb. That was the first step. They had to realize that this perfect lamb would save them and that they needed a perfect lamb to be delivered from bondage, to be delivered and not have their firstborn child die. They had to realize that they needed a perfect lamb. That was step number one. Step number two was examination. You see, these Israelites not only had to realize that they needed a perfect lamb, but they had to find the lamb that met all of their requirements, all of God's requirements. They had to find the perfect lamb. They had to go out and search for it and actually find the one that met all of God's requirements. Not their requirements, not what they wanted, but what God said. Those requirements. A lamb without blemish. A lamb that was spotless. A lamb that met all of the requirements of God's word. They had to examine it. Realization, examination. And then number three, identification. You see, the Israelite people not only had to realize that they needed a perfect lamb, and um, examine and find the perfect lamb, but they had to claim that lamb to be their lamb. They had to realize it, examine it, and then claim it as their own. It went from a lamb to the lamb, and then finally to your lamb. And if you think about that, that's the process of salvation. That's the process of us coming to the conclusion that we need a Savior, and once we accept Him as our personal Savior, we're accepting Him as ours. We're accepting Him as my Christ, my Savior, my, my, uh, my best friends, right? Amen? The picture of salvation there, all the way back in Exodus, points to us. You see, there's a lot of people who realize that they need a perfect lamb. They realize that they need God. They realize that they don't have joy in this world and they need something. They need a higher power to help them and to make them uh, feel good, to make them happy, to make them merry. They realize that they're missing something. But then they leave it at that. 
But there are steps involved. You can't just realize that you need something, find a higher power, and, and that's good enough. No, you need to examine and identify. Then there's a lot of people who realize that, and then they find that. They realize that God, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man will come into the Father but by him. They realize that he's the truth. They realize that he's the only way. They examine it. They come to the conclusion, but they're scared. They've, they're not willing to claim it as their own had this conversation with my friend at work the other day, and we had a big argument about how he believes that he's saved. And I'm sorry, I told him, you're not saved because he believes in God and believes in Christ. I'm saying, I told him, I said, you have to be putting your trust in Christ. He's like, I put my trust in confirmation. I've been confirmed. I've been baptized. That's good enough. And I wasn't trying to have an argument with this person, but I just told him, no, you've got to put your trust in Jesus Christ. You've got to accept him as your personal savior. We have to accept him as our Land. That's what it takes. We need to realize, examine, and then finally identify. And once you took that step and believed on the Son of God, whatever day it was in your life, in that moment, Jesus Christ became your land of God. The same process of salvation is the same process here in Exodus chapter number 12. That was the selection of the Lamb. But notice something else now. God had specific instructions on how they had to pick the Lamb and what kind of Lamb they had to pick. It had to be perfect. You see, their lamb had to be spotless. Notice, God would not just accept any lamb for a sacrifice. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So in those two verses, God gives five specifications in these verses, five specific requirements to pick the perfect lamb, to find the perfect lamb. It was to be without blemish, number one. This would speak of the sinlessness of Christ. It was supposed to be spotless, without blemish. Number two, it was to be a male. This would speak of the gender of Christ. Jesus Christ is a male. Number three, it was to be of the first year. This probably speaks of Christ dying as a young man at 33 years old at the prime of his life, the prime of his age, a young man. Number four, it was to be taken out among, among the sheep or the goats. It had, that, that's a specific requirement. It was to be taken out among the sheep or the goats. Now, this would speak of the humanity of Christ in his incarnation. He became one of us so that he might die for us. He was taken among the sheep or the goats. And then finally, number five, he was to be kept up for three days and three nights from the 10th day until the 14th day. That's a requirement in God's word. And if you don't know it yet, that's a picture of the resurrection of Christ rising again the third day after three days and three nights. I'm telling you, the selection of a lamb points to Jesus Christ. The selection of the lamb points to our lamb, the lamb of God, which can take away the sins of the world. That's the selection of the lamb. Not only that, but notice the sacrifice of the lamb as well. Verse 6, the Bible says, And ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So notice this now. The lamb was not to be slain in secret, but in the open for all the people to see. The Bible says, And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. You see, this is a picture of how Christ would later be crucified out in the open for all the people of Israel, all the children of Israel, right there on Golgotha, 
right there on Calvary, the Mount, Mount Calvary, uh, Mount Moriah. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. It was out in the open. The whole assembly, all of the children of Israel could see Jesus Christ dying there. The lamb was to be slain out in the open. That's a picture of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of the lamb. But not only that, God's got specific requirements of the lamb and how it was to be sacrificed and what was to happen after that as well. You notice here in Exodus chapter 12, God has specific requirements over and over and over again. Now, why is that? Why is he being so specific? Because he wants it to be a perfect picture of Jesus Christ. He wants us to read this book and say, man, I can see my Savior. I can see my Lord. I can see Jesus Christ. He gives specific requirements. The selection of the Lamb. The sacrifice of the Lamb. Notice now the requirement that God gives on how the blood was to be applied. You see, God did not just want them to kill the Lamb and be done with it. That wasn't going to save them. There were specific things that they had to do with the blood. The children of Israel were given definite directions as to how the blood must be applied to the building, be applied to the door. You see, number one, they were to strike it. Look at verse 7. The Bible says, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now, this is the sacrifice of the lamb. You see the picture there? They were to strike it. It wasn't just a little dab. It wasn't just... Um, just Lightly dabbing it. No, the Bible says more than one time that they were to strike it on the doorpost. You see the picture there. The sacrifice of the lamb. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When he poor, took our sins, when he was beaten, when he got the cat of nine tails and was struck over and over and over again. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of what's to come. They were to strike it on the door. They were to strike it on the building. Number two, though, they weren't only, only just to strike it. But they were to strike it in sequence. It wasn't just striking it on the door, wherever it went. There was a sequence to how they put the blood on the door. You see, they were to take the blood and strike it on the two side posts of the door and then on the upper lintel of the door. They were, so, they were supposed to take this hyssop, this type of flower. We'll soon read that in Exodus chapter 12, verse 22. They're supposed to take this hyssop, dip it in the basin of the blood, and then strike it on the doorposts, on the two sides, and on the upper lintel of the door. No doubt there was blood that trickled down to the threshold as well. What picture am I making here? Two sides, upper lintel, down below. If you draw an imaginary line, there's a cross there. A cross there. All the way back to Exodus chapter 12, all the way back in the Old Testament, we see the picture of Jesus Christ and the cross, the blood being applied to the building, made a cross. What was that signifying? That was signifying a greater day, a day where Jesus Christ would die on the cross for us, would bear our sins, and would be able to save us from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of slavery, not just for a little bit, not just for a time, but for eternity. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. They were to strike it. They were to strike it in sequence. Notice now also the scent of the lamb. You see, they were to select this lamb. Then they were to sacrifice this lamb. But notice the scent of the lamb as well. Exodus chapter 12, verse 22. The Bible says, And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts. Notice the smell of the flower. It was hyssop. Hyssop was a type of flower. Now, why does God give the requirement for them to dip it in hyssop, to use a flower to put the blood 
on the door? Why wasn't it your hand or a twig? Why was it a flower? Why was it hyssop? Because hyssop is a sweet-smelling flower. It's beautiful. It smells delicious. Why did God command them to strike the door with hyssop? You see, it was to signify a greater day when the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, would shed his own blood for us. This was a gory thing. This was a gory picture that was happening. They just sacrificed a lamb. They put the hyssop in the blood. They're striking out on the door. It seems gruesome. It seems terrible. But that sweet smell points to them and gives them the encouragement, gives them the confidence that one day they're not going to be saved just for a little bit, but they're going to be saved for eternity by the grace of God, by Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. It's the picture of Jesus Christ, the scent of the lamb, the smell of the flower that points to Jesus Christ. But notice also the smell of the feast. You see, they had that delicious smell on the outside, the delicious smell of the hyssop mixed with the blood pointing to Jesus Christ. But notice the smell of the feast as well. You see, they weren't just supposed to kill this lamb, pour out the blood into a basin and then apply it to be done with the lamb. No, they were supposed to use that lamb. They're supposed to eat it. Exodus chapter 12, verse 8 says, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So after they presented the blood, they were supposed to take that lamb and roast it with fire. They were supposed to roast it and eat it in the house. You see, that... I don't know if you've ever roasted anything, roasted meat. I don't, I've never roasted lamb before, but I've roasted a lot of things. I've seen my dad roast a lot of things. Man, that house probably smelled pretty darn good, right? That, that house smelled delicious. There was a sweet smell in the house. It was a satisfying smell. So not only did the lamb save, but the lamb satisfied on the inside. That, that delicious smell, they were able to feast on the lamb and man, taste that delicious lamb and smell it and just, it was a very satisfying thing in the lamb. But notice something else with that. The scent of the lamb is great, but notice what's happening there. Look at the picture. They had the blood on the outside, but the lamb on the inside. The blood on the outside, but the lamb on the inside. And I'm telling you right now, when I got saved on October 21st, 2001, I had the blood on the outside. The blood saved me, but praise God, I was not just saved, but I was satisfied. I got the lamb on the inside. I've got Jesus Christ in my heart, and I'm able to have a satisfying life, a life of joy, a life of excitement, a life of blessings because I've got the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, on the inside. The blood was on the outside, but the lamb was on the inside. That's an exciting thing. We are saved by the blood and satisfied by the lamb. That's the scent of the lamb. And then finally notice the salvation of the lamb. Killing the lamb was not the thing that satisfied them. I mean, it was not the thing that saved them. They were not saved by the death. They were not saved by roasting the lamb and eating that. They were saved by one thing. They were saved by the blood. Exodus 12, 13, the Bible says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood. God did not say when I see a dead lamb or when I smell the meat roasting, but God said when I see the blood. You see, it's the blood that saves. It's the blood that saved. It's the blood that covered. It's the blood that caused the, the Passover to happen. It was the blood on the doorpost. It was the blood that saves. 
So I got to thinking about that and reading some commentaries. What did God see when he sees the blood? And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You see, when God said, when I see the blood, God was not really looking toward Egypt and the blood of an animal, but he was looking toward Calvary and the blood of his son, the Lamb of God. You see, all the way back then, he was looking at one lamb, the lamb, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and every lamb that was sacrificed, every blood that was applied, he had one thought in mind, and that was Jesus Christ one day sacrificing his life and dying for us, presenting his blood on the mercy seat, and being our lamb that was slain, our lamb that was slain to save us. It's all a picture of Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. God knew that this was going to happen. God knew that he was going to place this story here in Exodus chapter 12. And God knew that one day we were going to be here in church in Elk Point Baptist going over this story and saying, praise God, I'm saved by the Lamb. Amen. Praise God, I am saved. I'm blood-bought. Amen. I'm saved for eternity. It's the salvation of the Lamb. We're saved by the blood and the blood only. And if you don't believe that, if you're reading commentaries that go against that, get rid of it because we're saved by the blood and the blood only. It's not the death of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. Amen. And we see that throughout the scriptures. The salvation of the Lamb. The salvation of Jesus Christ. It's from the blood. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Ephesians 1 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see, from start to finish, it's the blood that saves. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, in his blood, then you are not saved. It's the blood that will save you. It's not just believing in God. It's not just believing in a higher power. It's taking that God, taking that Christ, and claiming it as your own. Saying, Lord, whatever you have me to do, I'll do. I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come in me this day. That is the salvation of the Lamb. That's how you can be saved. It's the blood that saves. And we see here in Exodus chapter 12, the perfect picture of Jesus Christ. The perfect picture of Jesus Christ and his salvation and our process of salvation. But it's not just this story. You see, every story, every account recorded in this book points to Jesus Christ. You see, you take the cross out of the Bible and it becomes a meaningless book. You take Christ off the cross, and it becomes meaningless pieces of wood. It's all a picture of Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, we see the scarlet thread that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. 